This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. If you have a Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to pick up right where we left off. Hebrews chapter 4. Today we've got quite a bit of scripture to get through. So I'm going to do my best to move quickly because at the end of our time, we're actually going to take communion together as a church. Very looking forward to that today. Hebrews chapter 4, it'll be up on the screen for you this morning, beginning in verse 1, says this. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Say it with me today. Enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. Verse 4. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Verse 6. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news or the gospel proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today, say today, This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his works. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word today. The title of my message is Enter Your Rest. Enter Your Rest. Today I want to talk to you about God's plan for your life, and how intricately connected it is to rest. Say it with me, rest. Before I give you some practical ways that we're gonna do this, I wanna start with what I'm gonna call today or this morning a theology of rest. A theology of rest. We're gonna look at why it's important that we understand what God has to say about rest, what he thinks about it. To start, let me say this. Woven into all created things, into all of God's created order, into creation itself is a very specific pattern and way of accomplishing rest. In the scriptures, this pattern or way of doing rest is referred to as Sabbath. Now, some of you might be familiar with this term. It might have some baggage attached to it if you grew up in a real religious environment or in a real strict home. But today I want to kind of debunk some of that and I want to look at the traditional Hebrew understanding of this beautiful gift called Sabbath. Some of you also, this might be your very first time hearing a message on the importance of rest. In either case, I believe that most of us will have some questions today. And so I'm going to put a few of them up here on the screen, but questions like, what is Sabbath? 
Why is Sabbath important to God? Why should it be important to us? Is Sabbath even something that we need to practice today? So to begin, let's go to the scriptures, beginning in Genesis chapter two, verse one through three says this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. The first chapter of Genesis, we're given this beautiful poem of God's six days of creation. And then it's completed. And on the seventh day, verse two, God had finished his work. Say he's finished his work. Just a few weeks ago, we were celebrating Easter Resurrection Sunday, and we were celebrating the fact that Jesus finished his work. And it says this, that he rested from all of his work. Verse three, and God blessed that day, the seventh day, and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. So Genesis 1 provides us the account of what God went about doing, and whether you believe in an actual, literal six-day account or that those days are figurative, it doesn't really matter, to be honest, because the truth is, God was busy at work within his creation. He was busy at work creating everything that we see today. And then he rested. And then he ceased to work. And this is important. In the Hebrew, the word for rest is the word Shabbat or Shavath. And it's the word that we actually translate into English or transliterate in English called Sabbath. And it means this, to sit down, to become still, to cease and desist all activity, to celebrate. Can I say it again? To sit down, to become still, to cease and desist all activity, and to celebrate. Now curious to me, within this kind of root understanding of this Hebrew word, Shabbat, are two seemingly different ideas. Did you guys notice them? What are they? Stillness, let's go back. Stillness and celebration. Stillness and celebration. Wait a second, Pastor Jason. How can I celebrate while remaining still? We're gonna find out in just a moment. Regarding stillness, most of us have a really hard time becoming still. Am I talking to any ADHD people out there today? Okay, when I was a kid, they used to call it ADD, and then they changed it to ADHD. But growing up, we used to call people that were like that a spaz. Anybody remember that back in the day? Like that kid's just a spaz, he just can't sit still. And sadly, we've over-medicated and we've, we've put people under such the, the heavy blanket of medication, when in reality, the, most kids just have energy, right? Most kids just need to, to get out and get their wiggles out. So we used to say, that, that person is a spaz. And the truth is, most kids are. But we live in a culture today for which movement and motion is the norm. The idea of becoming still is very foreign to most of us. How do I know this? I'm at the gym yesterday and I took my son Liam, who's starting to lift weights, which is cool. He's getting all excited for football season. And so we're training, we're, we're running, we're lifting, and then we went and did some swimming. So we're trying to do a little bit of everything. And I'm sitting there and we're swimming, we do all of our laps, and they have a, a jacuzzi that you can go into for your recovery afterwards. So we're sitting in the jacuzzi, and all around me are people on their phones, just scrolling, 
While they're trying to rest, while they're trying to become still, their minds are still racing at 100 miles per hour because we don't know how to be still. We just don't know how to be quiet. We don't know how to be motionless. And so within this term or this this presentation of Sabbath, this gift that God wants us to know and have is this idea of stillness, is the promise of stillness. But what's interesting to me is equally within this term is the idea of celebration, of celebration. Now, my daughter just graduated from eighth grade. She's starting high school next year, which is a scary thought for me as a dad. But uh, I remember back in the day, there used to be like an eighth grade graduation party. Anybody have one of those? They don't do those anymore for some reason. I don't know why. But what I like about it and what I remember was that it was a celebration. And after the the party and after the celebration uh, at school, we'd then go back to the house and we'd throw another party and celebrate some more. We'd have a pool party, people would come over, people coming and going, it was a lot of fun. Most of you experience that later, maybe in high school or or perhaps in college, but the idea is that within celebration are these moments where we get to enjoy life, enjoy the gift of life that God has given us. And that's what God is doing here in Genesis chapter two. He's taking a moment to step back from his work, from creation, to become still and to enjoy it. The idea is not just stillness and celebration, it's actually pleasure. Now, in our society and culture today, pleasure has become distorted to look like something that God never intended it to look like, but pleasure is good. Say, pleasure is good. Shabbat is the presence and reality of a God who knows how to celebrate, who knows how to delight who enjoys things, who embraces pleasure. And I like this because even within Genesis chapter one, he says this phrase, and God saw that it was good. He says it seven times, actually. It's recorded for us seven times in the first chapter of Genesis that God worked, he created, he produced, he made something, and then he stepped back and saw that it was good. The word good used here in the Hebrew is the word tov. Say it with me, tov. It's spelled tob, but it's pronounced tov, like with a V. And it can actually be translated as pleasing, pleasurable. When God saw that what he had made was good, it essentially pleased him. He was pleased with it. He saw that it was good. And so within the the realm of Sabbath itself is this idea of a God who is pleased. Can I just pause for a moment to maybe shatter some of your religious ideas about God being this grumpy old man who's nothing but angry? He's not angry with you. He's pleased with you. He's pleased with his creation. He's pleased with the work of his hands and the things that he does. For many of us, if we could just grab a hold of that, it might change the way that we relate to God. It might change the way that we pray to God. It might change the way that we welcome his presence into our lives. If you're constantly 
looking over your shoulder for someone to strike you when you mess up. That's not God. That might be your parents. That might be your, your bad teachers you had. That might be somebody in your life, but that's not God. God's not waiting for you to screw up so that he can kick you while you're down or rub your face in the mud. That's not what he does. I want you to hear that today because some of us, all we hear is of this God who looks more like Zeus and less like the God of the Bible. God is pleased. And when he looks at his creation and he sees man and woman, he sees this beautiful picture of what he has made, he says it's good, it's tough, it's pleasing, it's wonderful. And this leads God on the seventh day to, to step back from all of it and to rest, to become still, and to celebrate. I just love the idea of God being a God who celebrates, a God who knows how to throw a party. One of the very first miracles that Jesus ever performs, recorded in scripture, is at a wedding celebration. It's at a wedding feast, it's at a party. And what is Jesus doing? He's turning the water into wine. I love that. That alone should just like come after our religious ideas about God not wanting us to have fun or enjoy life. Some of you today need to be given the permission to enjoy what God's given you, to delight in it. Any of you wrestle with guilt over sometimes enjoying things, feeling like maybe you shouldn't? Any of you wrestle with the idea that maybe you shouldn't enjoy your money or the things that you've worked hard for? Some of you that maybe grew up in poverty, You've got this poverty thing hanging over your life where you can't even enjoy God's good gifts in your life because you don't feel like you earn them or deserve them. Or you're looking over your shoulder afraid to lose them or afraid someone's gonna come take them away from you because you messed up. I'm here to tell you today that that's not God. He doesn't play peekaboo with you. He's not a, the phrase used to be Indian giver. <laughs> he, he doesn't give you things to take things back away. That's not, that's not our God. That's not who he is. He loves you. He's committed to you. And some of you, you need to hear this today. He's pleased with you. When he looks at you, he says, that's good. That's tough. Now, with that in mind, listen to what God then tells the people to do. Exodus 23, verse 12. Six days, I want you to work, six days. And on the seventh day, you shall rest. The word rest here is the word shavath. And I want you to do this so that your, your ox and your donkey may rest too. God loves your animals, apparently. <laughs> and so that the son of your female servant and the stranger or the foreigner or the immigrant among you may also be refreshed. God loves immigrants. God loves foreigners. God loves them. And he wants them to be refreshed. Is that what the Bible says, you guys? Do we believe that? Okay, just checking. <laughs> so the people here are given a very important command. And they're given it for some very important reasons. And I'm just gonna summarize them quickly for you because I could take months to actually go through all of this, but I'm gonna give you three reasons why they are commanded to Sabbath. Are you ready? Let's put them up there. To rest, to remember, to refresh. To rest, 
remember and refresh. Why is this so important to God that we practice Sabbath? Why is it important to us? Because God actually cares about the condition of our souls. He cares about the condition of your soul today, church, meaning your whole person, your whole being. He cares about your emotional health. He cares about your physical health. He cares about your spiritual health. He cares about your soul. And in the Hebrew, the word for soul is nefesh, and it means your whole being. It's not a compartmentalized little chamber tucked away somewhere inside of you. No, you are a soul. You don't just have a soul, you are a soul. Your whole being, God cares about. And because he cares about it, he wants you to rest, he wants you to remember, and he wants you to refresh. One of the best ways that we are designed to care for our souls is by doing these three things. By doing Sabbath, by practicing Shabbat. Now, the art or practice of, of doing Sabbath, we could say, is actually central to the identity of who we are as the people of God. I wonder if anybody believes that today. We see it all throughout the Bible. One of the, the best visible examples of this that we are given is found actually in the feast. As I mentioned earlier, today is the beginning of the Feast of Weeks, the Jewish Feast of Weeks, Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Passover. And God gives his people these feasts as times to rest, remember, and refresh. Pastor Jim, who you guys know, my father-in-law, who comes and teaches quite often, did an amazing teaching on this. You can actually go online to our YouTube channel and watch. It's called The Feast. And it's a beautiful treatise of why the feasts aren't just a Jewish thing, but why they're actually a God thing. And why God actually wants us to observe them and practice them and have those things active in our life. But let me summarize it for you. Here it is. To rest, remember, and refresh. The reason the people of God are called to do this is because God knows that there's gonna be an enemy for their soul trying to rob them of their rest that wants to cause them to forget who they are and not be refreshed, but become depressed. Now, I can always tell if people are practicing Sabbath or not, including myself, if I'm not rested, not remembering, and not feeling very refreshed. For some of you that love to work, this is really hard for you. Any workaholics today? Maybe? <laughs> for those of you that are, this is hard. This is actually, in some instances, a battle for you because you enjoy working. You like to work. It's fun. It energizes you. But God doesn't want us to just work, work, work. He wants us to follow his example and rest, remember, and be refreshed. This is his gift to us, people of God. So regarding the feasts and regarding Sabbath, I want you to hear what he would go on to tell the people in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 32. It's powerful. He says, it shall be to you, speaking of the feasts, it shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, 
and you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month at evening. And from evening to evening, you shall celebrate, say it with me, celebrate your Sabbath. Do you see how intricately connected all these things are? Rest, souls, celebration, refreshment. God wants us to do this, church. Which brings us to the last question today. Is Sabbath something we should practice today? And if so, why? You might be saying to yourself, well, that's great for the Jews, and that's great for Jesus, and that's great for them, but what does this have to do with me? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Again, Hebrews chapter four, verse one. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, it still applies, it's still for you today, New Testament church, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. This is God's heart for us, that none of you be found Guilty of falling short of entering into your rest. Time out. So you're telling me that this promise and command of doing Sabbath still stands today? Yes. Which is why he doesn't want any of us to fall short of it. Verse 9 goes on to tell us, because there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone, say anyone. Anyone who rests, or excuse me, anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. And here is why he wants us to do this. So that none will perish. Wow. He doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want your marriage to perish. He doesn't want your parenting to perish. He doesn't want your friends to perish. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What is one of the ways that we enter into that eternal, beautiful, everlasting, zoe, overflowing, overrunning life, Pastor Jason? It's by entering our rest, by making every effort to not neglect this reality. And for us as Americans, this is so hard for us to do. Because even when we're supposed to be resting, we're working. I'm guilty of it. I get about an hour into my Sabbath sometimes, and I'm like feeling kind of bored. So I go outside and I start working. (laughs) Start mowing the lawn, start leaf blowing. She asked my wife. She's like, you love that leaf blower. You're married to that leaf blower. More than me sometimes. You spend way more time with it. (laughs) Because I get antsy. I get bored. And I want to say this. A day off is not the same thing as Sabbath. Some of you on your Sabbath are catching up on chores. You're cleaning your toilets. Well, some of you need to. You're stocking the fridge. You're going to the grocery store. You're working. You're doing all this stuff. It's not that either. It's not a time just to catch up on the to-do list. No, it is a time to stop, to worship, to rest and delight in the Lord. And more on that in just quick moment. I think one of the reasons why 
we have a lot of health problems today, especially emotionally speaking, is because we don't know how to rest. In fact, people are, are resting and sleeping less and less each year. The social researchers and scientists are showing now that people today are getting less, slept, less sleep than they were even 20 years ago. And this is important for you parents with your young people. Just read a startling statistic this week that the number one thing that will help them battle anxiety and depression is actually getting sleep. It's not taking them to another soccer game. It's not rushing them to the next dance recital. <laughs> it's helping them get rest. Now, you guys know I've got three teenagers. You guys remember being a teenager and just like, being able to sleep until noon every day. Remember those days? <laughs> what, about, what about some of you being teenagers who used to like take naps? Any nappers? Okay, so my daughter will come home from school and she will take a nap. And she will nap for like two or three hours. And you know what, I just let her do it. I don't interrupt it because she needs the rest. It's God's gift to her. And I think sometimes we, we feel guilty because we feel like we don't deserve a nap or we, don't, we shouldn't be able to take a nap or we shouldn't be able to rest or whatever it is. And the truth is we need to rest. And so for you parents, help your kids find rest. If they need an extra hour or two, give them an extra hour or two. It makes a huge difference in their life. And it'll make a big difference in your life too, adults. You're in the same category. You need rest. Could it be that we're paying a high price today for the lack of rest? Could it be that our relationships are paying for it? Our businesses are paying for it? Our employees are paying for it? Our families are paying for it? Our marriages are paying for it because we're not resting, we're not Sabbathing. The invitation from God is not just to survive, it's to thrive. It's not just to get through your life, it's to flourish in your life. Do you guys believe that this morning? And if you believe that, then the invitation for you is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what he wants for all of us. We do that when we enter our rest. So real quickly before we close, how do we make this practical this morning? Step one, we gotta stop. Collaborate and listen. All right, just making sure you're still awake. You gotta stop what you're doing. And that it might be the, the battle for you. At Creative Church, we talk a lot about next steps. This might be your next step, is just to confront areas in your life where you don't know how to stop. Have you ever had anybody tell you, stop? Husbands, wives, stop. Right, you get into that argument, stop. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> Some of your souls are crying out this morning for this. You need to stop. Because you're gonna hit a wall, you're gonna crash, you're gonna burn out, and you may not take all of your rest right now, but it's gonna come off your life at the end. You need to stop. So one of the ways we do this is we, we stop our activity, we stop our work, we don't answer our emails, we don't pick up the phone, we cease and desist. This, this might be the hardest thing for all of us to do, but if we could grab a hold of this, I think it would change our culture. 
Number two, you got to rest. As I said, this is not just a day to catch up on all your other work, but this is an intentional day to rest. Number three, you need to delight yourself in the Lord. This is what we mean when we say celebrate. We, we celebrate his presence. We look forward to doing this together on Sundays when we come together, amen? But we can also do this by throwing a Sabbath feast with our friends or with our loved ones or perhaps choosing an activity that brings you great joy. For me, one of the activities that I like to do is take my two Malamutes for a walk and they are big dogs. So they tend to pull me around more than I pull them. But when I, when I do that, I, it brings me great joy and it opens my heart to hear from the Lord and to delight in him and to, to delight in all of his wonderful created things. And then step four, worship. We intentionally give God our praise and adoration through worship. And you can do this all throughout the day. You can, you can do this beyond just your Sabbath day. You can do this throughout your week. But the point is that you should be intentional with worship. The cool thing about worship is that it actually realigns your heart with his heart. It allows you to hear his voice. It allows you to rest, remember, and become refreshed. Can I encourage you, the first time you set out to actually start practicing Sabbath, it is gonna be a fight. It is going to be a battle. It's gonna be like all hell breaks loose and everything becomes pressing and everybody needs your time and attention now. But you know what I've discovered about most emergencies? It's that they're not really emergencies. Sometimes people need to be told no. Sometimes people need to be told, let's wait on this. And that's okay. It's okay not to respond immediately. Now, for some of you that don't respond at all, you need to work on that, okay? <laughs> don't ghost folks, all right? Be respectful and respond. But not everything is urgent. Not everything is an emergency. We need to resist the tyranny of the urgent and be at peace with what God has for us when we Sabbath. One of the ways that we resist the enemy, as I said, it's a battle, it's a fight, is by practicing Sabbath, by delighting ourselves in the Lord, not in our to-do list. And this is what he wants for us. He wants us to be a people of delight. He doesn't want Sabbath to be a duty. He doesn't want this to be an obligation for you guys. He doesn't want this to be just another thing that you check off of your list. No, he wants you to delight yourself in it as a gift that he has given you. Why? Because he said it's good. It's pleasurable to him. It's pleasing to him and his heart. Anybody just want to please the heart of God today? For those of you that have put your faith in Jesus, I'm talking to you. For those of you that have had a hard time doing this, I'm talking to you. God wants there to be time where it can be just you and him, uninterrupted by phone calls and emails and text messages. And maybe you're someone for whom even just taking an hour or three hours or half a day is a great place to start. Can I encourage you? Take that next step and put this stuff 
into practice and watch how God will show up in your life in a big way. Watch how you'll begin to become refreshed in your faith and encouraged and renewed. This is so huge, you guys. If we could, as the church, and I'm not just talking about as courageous church, but as the big C church grab a hold of this, I think it would cause our lives to slow down a little bit so that we could hear him and be with him and delight in being with him and then become changed as a result. Because every time I spend time with my father, I'm changed. How about you? He's inviting you into a place where he wants you to be, a place that he's created for you from the very start, a place called Sabbath. And I wonder if you'd trust him with that. I wonder if you'd be willing to try this and practice this this week. We put together some resources for you at our website, courageouschurch.com slash, wait for it, Sabbath. We have a picture of it on the screen. But if you go to this webpage, Practicing Sabbath, there's a little button that says download here and there's a great guide that we've put together to help you as you learn to practice Sabbath, as you learn to lean into this good and wonderful gift that God has for you. I want to encourage you this week to go to the website, download the resource, and begin a new journey of learning how to enter your rest. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.